welcome to the Insight Co podcast. My name is Stephanie and I'm your host. This podcast is going to discuss relationships, marriage, dating, being a Christian and being a woman in this modern world. I welcome all of your questions. Thank you for tuning in. So settle back, listen and enjoy the show. So the first question that I've got for today says, how can a woman submit to a man in this day and age when a man is not the breadwinner? Now, I think this is a really interesting question. And my response to this is that submission is not conditional. So the Bible is not saying when your husband is the man, that's when you submit to him. It's just saying wife submit. So whether your husband is earning money or he's not earning money, that doesn't mean that our side of the contract is in dispute we still have to submit as wives to our husband so that's the role that God has determined for him a man is to lead the household so Ephesians chapter 5 verses 22 to 24 say wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is head of the wife as also Christ is head of the church and he is the savior of the body Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. I just read that and I thought, ooh, controversial. Let the wives be subject to the husbands and everything. So the way that God has intended the order of a family to be is the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. So you can see that there aren't any conditions in it. So whatever your husband's earning status is, you're still, you've still got to submit. So what men value most of all is respect. And so for you to respect him when him being a breadwinner is obviously an issue, that's why the question has come up, you just have to value him for as a human being beyond his earning potential. So look to him, look at the things that drew him to you before you were married, you know, what is it that you loved about, about your husband before you got married or before you got into the situation where he wasn't earning as much as you? Because I know that when you're the breadwinner, it's like you feel all the power, you feel all the control, you're making most of the financial decisions. I mean, usually, not always. And so then it's like your husband's a bit demeaned in your eyes. So you've just got to switch that around and say, look, he's not earning money, but he's a great husband or he's a great father. These are the qualities that I admire in him. I respect him. I value him. And keep to that. So then what we're establishing through the word is that you still have to submit, even if he's not the breadwinner. But how do you submit and how you do it is by valuing and respecting your husband and seeing beyond the money. What you've got to remember is that if your husband is not the breadwinner, then that's not a situation that's going to last forever. And so if it's a temporary situation because he's down and out right now, you need to remember that when he's back on top, he's going to remember you, that you were by his side, that you're with him through thick and thin, for richer, for poorer, as your vow said. And he'll remember you when he's on top. And who's going to be most grateful to you? His wife. So all the money that's coming in, he's going to be sharing it with you. So just continue to respect him, continue to submit to him, and don't worry too much about financial status. All these things are fleeting, they'll pass. Question number two. The next question says, do you dress for your husband or do you dress for yourself? Well, my answer is I dress for myself. (laughs) Um, If I'm put something on and my husband makes a comment I might take his opinion into account or if I 
rarely go clothes shopping with him. And he says, you know, I might ask him, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But we have two like, very different tastes in clothes and what we think is. So what I think looks nice for me, he might not agree with what he thinks looks nice. I think, mm-mm. So we don't usually input on each other's clothes decisions. Uh, what I feel comfortable and confident wearing, that's what I wear. If I'm getting ready for church and he says something like, that dress is a bit short, <laughs> maybe I'll concede and put a pair of tights on. So I might put a pair of tights on, but yeah, I dress, I dress for myself and I will humbly take his opinion into account. Question number three. This is a really juicy question. This question says, is it okay to be a Christian and decide to never get married, but still date as long as you do your best not to fornicate? The question brings to my mind that if as a Christian you have no intention to get married, why date in the first place? To my understanding, the whole point of dating and courtship is to get to know each other better, to explore each other, your likes, your dislikes, your plans for the future, your dreams. Your, you can make this relationship permanent through marriage, whether you can commit to each other. So then if there's no intention of marrying at the end of it, what's the point of dating? Because you're just end of it. I would really explore why you don't want to get married. Is it because you feel that you're uniquely called as an individual not to get married, to be single as the Apostle Paul was? Or is it because you've been hurt or broken in the past and you cannot even begin to contemplate undertaking such a serious commitment such as marriage? Jesus said in the word that he's come to heal the brokenhearted. So I would seek healing. I would seek guidance. I would seek help from Christian counsellors to gain healing from those past hurts and pain and move on because of there would be no need to dismiss marriage because of past hurts so if that's the reason why somebody wants to date and not marry then that needs to be looked at you can't extinguish the past with a fun and casual relationship this relationship is not leading to anywhere let's just enjoy ourselves it still comes with its own problems so I think if you're going to date there has to be an intention of a commitment at the end of it as a Christian, I don't see the point in dating without it leading to marriage. I don't see how you can date someone and it doesn't lead to fornication. If you're going to be together for a year, two years or three years, you're going, you're, you are going to be tempted. Something is going to happen and it could eventually lead to sex. So I wouldn't take that risk and put myself in such a vulnerable position in the first place. I wouldn't recommend uh, dating and doing my best not to fornicate because we all know how that's going to end up. So then what's meant by the second part of the question where it says, do your best not to fornicate? If you're saying, do your best, does that mean that it's accepted that, yeah, you will eventually fornicate? But if there are good intentions to not fornicate, then there's no harm done. I don't know whether in the eyes of yourself or in the eyes of God. Question number four says, I want to source things up in the bedroom with my husband, but I've been told toys and bringing others into our marital bed is wrong. How can I accomplish this? So when I first read the question, I said, well, who said that bringing toys into the marriage bed is wrong? Like, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Spice it up, sauce it up. But I realised I'd missed the bit where it says bringing others into our marital bed is wrong. Um, yeah, that's adultery. Even if you both consent to it, which can you really? Or is one person just trying to please the other? You know, you can know you can't bring other people into the bed. You're, you're still cheating. No, I wouldn't advise that. It's only got to open up a can of worms. But I don't see any issue with bringing toys into the bed. Um, just communicate about it thoroughly with your partner. Make sure that you're both on board with it. Start with something that's not intimidating. Maybe pick a toy out together. But I don't see any problem. 
as long as you talk about it, you're open about it, communicate, go for it, spice it up. And question number five says, should women pursue men? Very short and simple question, but the answer is quite complex. So, um, should women pursue men? This is something that I, I like to ponder on, actually. And especially think about my own experiences with it. Well, I'm not going to get into an evolution debate, but I really believe in this whole, like, hunter-gatherer thing, like, men hunt and, you know, pursue women, whereas women are the pursued, you know? Women are the pursued and not the pursuers. So I feel like it's naturally inbuilt to a man, into a man to pursue a woman. So that's why if a man is interested in a woman and then they become intimate really quickly, then he can lose interest because of it's all in the thread of the chase. See, once he gets surprised, it's like, mm, well, what's keeping me on? Plus, if she's like intimate with me so quickly, how many other guys and blah, blah, blah. Like, he seems to kind of lose a bit of respect for the woman in his eyes. So in that sense, no, I don't think a woman should pursue a man, not in the sense that, like, go after him, get his number, ask him on a date, and then, like, you, you're you caught in him and all that kind of stuff, no. Um, we have this argument, constantly at work, every couple of months, like, who should pay for a date? And things like that. I'm like, the man should pay for me. Like, if you ask me out, you're going to pay for me. That's the first day, at least, like, yeah, girl power, equality afterwards, fine, we'll split the bill, but really, if you've asked me out, you should pay for my food. Um... I think that's a natural way of things for a man to pursue a woman. I think if a woman pursues a man, it can come across as a bit desperate. Um, there's no harm in showing interest or being friendly or maybe subtly letting him know that your interest in him is more than friendship. I don't know how you can pull that off in a subtle manner. But just leave it to him because if you don't want it to get to the end and it's like you feel like you forced him into a relationship and then you're always doubting and thinking, is this genuine? Does he really like me? Was it because of I compromised him or I manipulated him and that's why in a relationship, we're in a relationship, then it's like the whole foundation of the thing is not genuine. So I think just leave it to the way things are meant to be. If he comes after you and you're interested, go for it. If you're not interested, then you just head him off at the pass. So no, I don't really think women should pursue men. So we're done with the question and answer session. I've answered five questions today. So what I want to talk about as well is the concept of soulmates. Soulmates is such an interesting idea and it's like in literature, in music, across the ages that the idea of a soulmate is that there's one person that we as individuals are destined to be for the rest of our life. And I've just never been able to believe in it because of if in the world there are billions of people, what are the chances that I meet the person that I am destined to be with? by fate what if my soulmate is like a peasant farmer in rural china what are the chances that the two of us would cross paths so i don't believe in soulmates what i do believe is that there are maybe a set you know a small number of people that you could marry and that the life that you have the outcomes and your destiny will alter depending on the person that you marry so there might be an ultimate call in your life like your calling might be to be a singer and depending on who you marry it slightly alters that outcome like in the concept of parallel universes that's how I always think of it so let's say it's my destiny to become a singer and I marry Adam and Adam has a karaoke bar and I marry him and we run a karaoke bar together and every Friday night I get down with the the regulars and I sing with them that's one outcome of my destiny to sing. And let's say I marry Ben, and 
Ben is a minister of the gospel and he's really, really into music. And when we marry, he's not into ministry. But after we marry, he starts a church and he says to me, look, I really want you to lead um, a huge choir and a worship program. And then I become the head of this choir. And then it's like Brooklyn Tabernacle and we produce albums and we're like world famous. And I'm in all these pictures, swing my baton. That's another way that I perceive, yeah, maybe in the way that God wanted me to do it. And then C could be that I marry Charlie and Charlie's like, what are you making that racket for? Like, he's really against anything to do with music. And so the, the culmination of my singing career is singing in the shower. And so that's why the person that you marry matters because it has a big outcome and a big impact on your destiny because of the two of you are going to go through the journey of life together. And the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens the countenance of another. So you're sharpening each other all the time, or you're dulling each other, depending. Do you know what I mean? You can encourage each other and build each other up, or you can tear each other down, just depending on the words that you use. Because the Bible is saying that there is life and death is in the power of the tongue. So your words are so powerful. So I don't believe in soulmates. I don't believe there's one person that I'm destined to be. I don't necessarily think my husband is my soulmate. I've married my husband. I also could have married somebody else. And either of those marriages can be successful because of once you marry, you make the decision that you're going to make it work. Because it's not all the time that you're like desperately in romantic love with your spouse, but you've made a commitment to each other. Even after I got married, it's like, for the first year, it's like, just because of, we made a public declaration of our vows and we invited X amount of people to the wedding. There's no way we can split up now because of, it's not like a, I told you so, but because you've done it so publicly, you cannot then divorce because that's also public and you've made a commitment for each other. And so you can marry any number of people and you could still make the marriage work. So I don't believe there's one summit for all of us. That's why I'm also like, Sometimes I feel like people can be too hasty in turning down a potential partner because there is no Mr. Right or Mrs. Right out there. So a woman could keep turning down men that approach her. I'm not saying that she doesn't have the right to, of course. It's your prerogative, it's your choice to turn down men. But then you reach a point where no one's approaching you anymore because if you were waiting and waiting for that perfect guy to come along with all of the boxes checked, he's got the house and he's got the car and he's got the job, and he's got the height, and he's got the looks, and he's got the body. And it's like, when do you meet someone where everything ticks in place? Even when you do see it, it's usually the person that's in a relationship because of the fact that they're committed makes you view them with rose-tinted glasses because you can see they're capable of commitment, and that's what makes them attractive to you. Whereas someone saw that potential in them before, another woman saw that potential in that man before they got married. So you have to open your eyes up to that potential as well. Um, there's a theory called the butterfly effect, which says that when you travel back in time, if time travel is possible, then any small change you cause can alter the future in a dramatic way. So how I think about it in terms of soulmates is that if there there are a small pool of potential candidates that you can marry. And so if there are five people, then you marry each one and the ultimate outcome and the ultimate calling that God has placed in your life alters depending on who you marry which is why it is one of the most important decisions that you make the person that you marry I think there's a time and there's a season for every woman where she's the baddest you know where all the men are approaching 
and everybody's interested and you can keep turning down and not even exploring because I think what's the harm in going like one date with somebody if you know you feel safe going with them going to a public place like there's no harm in having a chat and getting to know somebody because of what you dismiss them on could be so superficial you know I know a girl that dismissed a guy I don't know, she said she didn't like him anyway, but it was like, you don't know anything about the guy, you don't even know his surname, so the only thing you can be saying that you don't like about him is the fact, is, are his looks, really, it can't be anything deeper than his looks because you don't know him, and you've just got to give people the chance because you just don't know who has that potential and who could be your life partner. So then let that season opportunity run out on you because you don't know when it's going to end. Before my husband proposed to me, he wasn't the only guy that I was talking to. I was friendly with like two other guys. And I'm sure that's what my husband saw, isn't it? And thought, let me just pounce in there and make my move before she married somebody else. Because if just as I accepted his proposal and married him, I could have accepted somebody else's. But when I thought about it and I assessed potential, I thought, do you know what? I'm far better off with my husband than I would be with the other potential suitors and that's what cemented my decision plus because I'd known him for a long time I knew him like on a, a deeper friendship level because we were friends for a long time and also I've been praying about my marriage for about a year or so at that point so it wasn't a decision that was very difficult to make when the time came so just to round up I don't think there's one person out there for you I think there are several potential people I think you're never really going to know until you explore so be open-minded you don't know what God has packaged up for you. So just be open-minded to what he's bringing your way. I hope you enjoy listening. Thanks for subscribing.